Wednesday, we, be, we go from 7 to 8.30. Uh, we break it off into several groups. We have our adults, uh, our youth, and then we have our children. And they will all be um, learning from the same subject matter, and we'll be growing together. And so do come out. I look forward to seeing your face in the place. That's this Wednesday. And this session will go from, I believe, February the 4th until March uh, 11th. Amen. Well, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter number 5. And while you're turning there, go ahead and stand to your feet in honor of God's word. Uh, we're going to read Ephesians chapter number 5. And we're going to read from verse number 22. <clears throat> and we're going to go down to verse number 33. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 33. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this moment. I praise you for your word. We praise you, Father, for what you're going to say to us this morning. Father, I pray that every heart will be open to truth this morning. God, we are waiting to hear from you, Lord. So whatever you need to do to bring us to understanding and bring us to revelation, whatever you need to do, Lord, to heal our families and to heal and restore and to amend, God, we're asking that you will do it today. Where, God, there needs to be uh, just um, a, a tune-up or, or just to reaffirm covenant today. God, I pray that today that that will happen in an uh, incredible way. So, Holy Spirit, we give you, um, Lord, full authority to come into our hearts and our lives and do what you need to do to bring us to where we need to be. And, Father, we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, we're beginning our brand new series. It's entitled Stay Together. 
This is a time of the month where we focus on love and chocolates and candy and relationships. So I felt the Holy Spirit uh, wanted us to take advantage of an opportunity since all of us are in a relationship of some kind. And so I want to let you know right up front that this series will be about marriage. Give you an idea of what we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks. Uh, this series will explore the biblical, what biblical headship and submission is all about. This series is designed to strengthen your resolve in honoring your covenant. This series will give you insight. Um, it will give insight to the married, the unmarried, and even the divorce. I believe that at the conclusion of this series, that you will never see marriage as the same. Now, I do understand that some of you may be thinking, you're sitting here today and you're not married, and you're single. Maybe you're dating, maybe you're not dating. Maybe you're thinking, well, I'm too young. I want you to know this message applies to you, too. If you're sitting here today and perhaps you have divorced at some point or another, this series is for you. And obviously, if you are married, you are going to be strengthened and you're going to gain some wisdom and insight that will help your marriage. But I'm sure that at some point, most of us, even our young people in here, may plan to get married someday. And how many know that you need to know what God says about it? Because God is the originator of marriage. I'm going to take you deep today. You must stay with me. Listen to me. Look at your neighbor and say, stay with the pastor. Because we're going somewhere with this today. Now, we must understand that there is a huge chasm between the biblical view of marriage and the common human vision is very wide. What our worldly society think about marriage and what the biblical view of marriage is, is way, way different. That's why the world, when we talk about things as uh, being faithful and staying with one person for 25, 30, 40 years, sometimes people look at you like you're crazy. They look at you like there's no way that you can have a marriage like that. <laughs> but how do you know that the church is the light of the world? So the church, listen to me, the church is supposed to model what biblical marriage is. The church. And unfortunately, the church in many ways have adopted some of the same mindsets regarding marriage that the world has. And the church in many ways has kind of sit back and we have deferred our responsibility to speak out in truth to the world about such a holy covenant. I believe if the church remains silent in this day, God will hold us accountable for it. I really believe that. The fact that we can live in a society that defends two men or two women entering into a sexual relationship and call that marriage shows that debauchery and perhaps anarchy is not far away. 
How many know there used to be a time when we look and say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. But nowadays, it is almost the norm. And you are dared to say anything otherwise. They post it on your television screen. You can't walk outside of your television screen because it's promoted. Whether they're naked or not, the ideas about marriage is promoted. And the enemy has always, from the time of the beginning, has distorted God's truth. Now, you must understand, then, that we are the light of the world. Do you hear that? That means that we have a responsibility to speak out when something comes against the authority, the kingdom way of life. Because if we don't, who will? When a society ignores the principles of God, there is a consequence. God created all of this. And God has established an order. He says, when you do it like this, it works. Even if it's hard, it works. The world cannot know marriage without learning it from God. Let me say that again. The world cannot know marriage unless they learn it from God. Who are God's representatives? We are. The ultimate thing to see is, from the Bible, is that marriage is for God's glory. We're going to expound on this today. Now, now, I want to broaden your perspective. I'm going to say some things today that initially is going to rub you differently. I don't want to say the wrong way. I want to say differently. Because contrary to what most people think, most people believe that the end goal of marriage is for me to be happy. I told you I'm going to say some things that... Most of us think that the end goal of marriage is is just about fulfilling all of my needs. It's a byproduct of marriage. But listen to me, it is not the end goal of marriage. Marriage has a much more profound realism. Much deeper than what you think. If you thought that when those who are married in here say amen, If you thought that you went to the altar and it was just about you and the person that you married, it was not. When God started this thing, he had something totally different in mind. This is why why marriage today is, is tossed around like nothing. People are in and out of marriages like they brush their teeth. Irreconcilable differences. What is that? I just don't agree. I just don't love you anymore. You don't look the same. You gain weight. You got whatever the case, it does not matter to God. Because he had something different in mind. If we have the right perspective about marriage, oh boy, let me tell you something. When you get this revelation today, and I pray to some you, you everyone here get it, because let me tell you something. If you're not married, you're gonna be extra careful now. I promise you. You're going to be like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Listen, and if you were in a situation, because I understand that 
that some of you may have gone through a divorce or whatever the case might be, and I understand that, and you've probably remarried in some cases, there's water under the bridge now. What we're going to talk about is God's intention. And if you're sitting here today and you're either contemplating or you're in marriage, you are going to be solidified with respect to what marriage is all about. You're going to respect it. We must respect. Look at the name say respect. The institution of marriage as God intended it. Now, let's look at a couple of verses. Look at Mark chapter 12. Go to Mark chapter number 12. Verses 19 through 25. Mark chapter 12, verses 19 through 25. We like to read our Bible here at Foundation Church. Okay, here we go. <laughs> the Sadducees, let's start in verse number 18. Um, then some Sadducees who say there is no resurrection. Now I want you to get the, get the backdrop here. Here's the, Sad the Sadducees and the Pharisees were always at opposition with each other. They had different beliefs. And uh, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. And so when they see Jesus, they see an opportunity, at least they think, that they can communicate to Jesus or they can catch Jesus in his words. And, 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 and so they see this opportunity, and so they're going for it. But how do you know you can't catch Jesus in his words? He's the truth. Watch this. As he came. So and they say there's no resurrection came to him, and they asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if there's a man that, a, that if a man's brother dies and leaves his wife behind that they, and leaves no children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and dying, he left no offspring. And the second took a wife, and he died, nor did he leave any offspring. And the third likewise. So the seven had her, so the seven had her, and left no offspring. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, watch this church, stay with me. In the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? For all seven had her as Wife. Jesus answered and said to them, watch this, watch this, I love this. Are you not therefore mistaken? Because you do not know the scriptures, nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. Well, watch this now. Watch now. Watch. Because there are some people with crazy ideas. They think that we're still going to be married just like we were on earth if we go to heaven. No, there is no marriage in heaven. There is no street called 1500 Solomon's Court. There is no street where there's a family with the, the, the Jones residence, 500 Gold Street with the mailboxes. And, no, 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 no. That will be no more. Stay with me. I'm going someplace with this. Marriage, watch this. Jesus said this. Jesus said, there will be, so you don't know the power of God. You and I must understand that God is everything. Listen to me. And he fulfills our every desire. So when you have the real thing, you have no need of the copy. 
Now, I'm, I'm going I'm to I'm work with this. You guys stay with me. So, Jesus said, there is no marriage in heaven. We're going to be just like the angels. Not only that is, not only that, ain't going to be no more weddings. It's going to be over. So if some of you thought, man, I'm going to be with my family like that, yeah, you, you, you'll be with your family. Hopefully they're safe. But you won't be like you are now. It will be completely and totally different. A more glorified version of yourselves. But marriage was always meant to be here. Everybody say here. here. Temporary. Now let me, let me rephrase that. It relates to heaven. Temporary. Here, today, permanent. Marriage was meant to be permanent here. Let me say it again because y'all got quiet. Marriage was meant to be permanent here, but as it relates to eternity, marriage was temporary. Why would God make it temporary here? And it seemed logical to me that we would just carry this thing on up to heaven. Does anybody agree with me? I mean, I got my family, I got my kids, I mean, everything, my dog. Hey, let's, let's, take, let's transfer the stuff the way that I know it. He says, it's not going to be that way. God had something else in mind. This is where it gets deep. When he instituted marriage. Let's take a, let's take a walk. Take a walk with me. So let's, let's, now I'm going to come back to that thought. So God established something on, in the here, now, that is temporary. But as it relates to heaven, it's going to be abolished. Why did God do that? So let's, 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 let's do some work. So let's, let's, before we come back to that, let's talk about marriage. The fact that marriage is God's doing. Where did marriage come from? And then I'm going to come back to this. I want you to hold that thought for a moment. How many know it's important that we know why we say marriage was created by God? How many of you have said that before? How many of you have said that marriage was created by God? How many of you really believe that? I mean, really believe that? Then you ought to be able to articulate. We're going to show you today. So if you got your pen and pencil handy, you might want to do some writing today. First of all, we know marriage is God's doing. Because marriage was God's design. Look at this. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. Get there real quick. If you can't run there, look at it on the screen. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Watch this. Male and what? Female. He created them. Then God did what? Blessed them. And God said to them. Who is the them? male and female, be fruitful and multiply. He did not say male and male, be fruitful and multiply. He did not say female and female, be fruitful and multiply. He said male and female, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish and over the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God was the one. Listen to me. This is where male and female, how many know that it's natural? 
It's natural because God ordained male and female to come together in holy matrimony called marriage. It was God who decreed that man's solitude was not good. And all the brothers got to say amen to that. It's not good to be alone. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Genesis 2.18. And the Lord said, it is not good that men should be alone. I will make him a helper. Amen. Watch this now. Watch this. So it was God who said men should not be alone. It was God who said, I will make him a helper. I will make him a wife, a helper for him. God didn't. He, he parades the animals before Adam. In Genesis chapter number two, he parades the animal before Adam. And, 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 and none of the, the animals or anything else was like Adam. Nothing. I mean, it was, you know, he, nothing was comparable to Adam. And then God said, I, he, he, he caused Adam to take a deep sleep. Look at Genesis 2, verse 21 and 22. You still in Genesis? Look at, look at verses 21 and 22. Stay with me. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep, watch this, to fall on Adam, and he slept and took one of his ribs, closed up his flesh in this place, and then the rib which the Lord God had made, had, had taken, I'm sorry, the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. And they became one flesh. What is my point? All of this is moving toward marriage. Think about how marriage is done today. And I want you to look at it in lieu of what I'm talking about here today. We understand that marriage is God's doing because God gave away the first bride. It was God. Marriage is God's doing because he took the role of being the first father. Even though he created Eve, even though he created Eve, watch this, in a profound sense, he fathered her. And he brings Eve to Adam. He gives Eve away to Adam. God does. All the single, all the single ladies in the house, raise your hand. Say, ouch. Something like that. Say, say, oh, all the single ladies. Single. You got a single, that single girls, boys, whatever. Listen. You should not marry any joker until you take him to your daddy. And say, daddy, can I? Daddy, may I? Play a game. Let's go play daddy, may I? Even if, listen to me. Even if your daddy ain't what he is supposed to be, God will honor his word because you do it out of a spirit of obedience to him. How many know we ought to always honor God's word? So God gives her away. This is a concept that was instituted by God. We know that God, the marriage is God's doing. Because God spoke marriage and he designed it into existence. He designed it. He spoke it. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. 
Watch this. And then Jesus, all the way in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 and 5, listen to this. And he answered and said to them, this is Jesus, have you not read that he, God, who made them at the beginning, made them male and female, and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. But look at this part of the verse, what it says in that, that first part. It says, and, and he answered and said to them, have you not read what he, God, who made them from the beginning. Everybody say beginning. Beginning. All the way from the beginning of time, God established the marriage. It's God's doing because he spoke the earliest design. How many know the marriage didn't just come along because some man was sitting somewhere and they decided we're going to try this out. We're going to figure out a way to do this. This was something all the way, listen to me, all the way from the beginning of time. Jesus, have you, don't you not, do you not understand that from the beginning of time, this was God's plan? Now watch this. We know that marriage is God's doing, number four, because God performs the one flesh union. Everybody say one flesh. See, it is God who ordains and performs a uniting called one flesh. See, this is something, man can't do that. See, you can go to the courtroom, you can go to see whatever. Man cannot ordain anything outside of God. God is the one who ordains and performs the uniting of one flesh. Only God does that. That's what God blesses, and that is what God anoints. So when a couple speaks their vows, it's not a man, it's not a woman, a pastor, a parent. That's the main actor. But God is. When you make your covenant with regard to your spouse, you are making it in the presence of God. Lift up yourself. Look higher. God is the only one that can sanctify one flesh. God is the only one that can look at that and say, I'll bless that. So when man tries to go opposite direction, how many know We got a problem. So God is the one that does that. I want you to go back for a moment. Think about about Adam for for an example. When God brought Eve to him, how many know that when God is involved in something, it's going to be blessed? God brought Eve. God was involved. God was involved. And when Adam sees her, what does he say? Good God. Bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh. You know, it was something when, uh, you know, of course, I had been dating my wife in, in college and everything. And, and, you know, we ended up, you know, uh, getting married. And, 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 and though I knew her and spent time with her, but boy, it was something when I remember when she walked down the aisle. I thought I was going to be a big, strong man, right? You know, and she walked down the aisle. I saw it like I never saw it before. It was a glow. And I saw it, and I said, whoo! I've got water, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. There was a beauty. There was a radiance. Because I knew that God was in it. I knew that God brought, if she looks, she don't look that great to nobody else. She will look good to you because she belonged to you. She's yours. 
I tell people one thing I do know in life, two things I know I did right. Gave my life to Christ. Second, I married Peggy Bailey. I know I did those things right. Everything else was up for grabs. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I do love my kids tremendously. Amen. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Amen. Amen, amen. And so we understand that as we look at this. Now, now we've got to come back to our main point. I want you to stay with me. So, so God established all this. And Adam sees and he, he begins to, he, he understands. And they, and they, and they come together. And they, and they begin to do something wonderful. This was all God's doing. God put the whole thing together. Bone to my bone, flesh to my flesh. The two shall become one. This was all God's doing. God brought Eve. Therefore, as you understand this, God was the one who developed marriage. God was the one who designed it. He's the one who thought of it. But what was God after? What was God after? In Ephesians chapter 5, go back to Ephesians chapter 5. Go back to Ephesians chapter number 5. I got to get there. Hallelujah. Look at verse. Look at verse number 31 and 32 in Ephesians chapter 5. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Watch this. This is a great mystery. Here I say mystery. mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the what? There it is. Now, Paul understood the mystery of marriage. You see, when, when, when Paul speaks about mystery, he's not saying that it's something deep and something that's so profound that we can't understand. What mystery means is that there was something that God had hidden before and that he's made known today. How many know that God is always thinking ahead? He knows the end and the beginning all at the same time. And so Paul says, this is a profound mystery. In other words, God has revealed some things, like, like in uh, 1 Corinthians. Paul says, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Mystery. In other words, God now, something that was concealed, he's now pulled the curtain back and said, this is what I've been after the whole time. And here's the main point. Paul says in this verse, verse number 31, he says, in verse 32, he says, this is a great mystery, a profound mystery, but I really speak concerning Christ and the church. Now, if you read Ephesians chapter 5, Paul goes on to explain the different roles between the husband and the wife. But then he starts talking about Christ and the church. So what was Paul getting at? This is what Paul was getting at. Marriage then... Watch this. It's namely, marriage is an image of Christ, watch this, and his church. You remember I said earlier that marriage is not just about you being happy. It's not just about you getting what you want. It's not about marriage. Watch this. Paul said this was hidden before. He said this was a mystery, but now it's been pulled back. 
Marriage is a picture of Christ's relationship to us. That's why there is no marriage in heaven. Are you getting it now? There is no marriage in heaven. Because we are married to him. See, see, see. So marriage then, watch this, is a metaphor, it's an image, a picture that stands for something more than just a man and a woman becoming one flesh. It stands for, watch this, it's a picture of Christ's relationship with his church. Paul got the mystery. Paul says, Paul said, this is a profound mystery. So watch this. So Now, listen, Christ always thought of himself as the bridegroom coming for the church. I'll give you a couple verses. Matthew 9, 15. And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Matthew 25, 1. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Paul knew his calling was to gather the bride, those who trust in Christ, and to present them, us, to Christ. So marriage is, watch this, marriage and the ultimate understanding of what marriage is, it's a picture. It's supposed to represent Christ's relationship with us. It's a picture. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 11, 2. For he says, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 2. He says, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste version to Christ. See, if, if, you, if you're single and you're waiting for somebody, see, the beautiful thing you can say is, well, but you know what? I'm just walking in, in, in who I'm supposed to be ultimately anyway. I'm going to be with Christ, so I need to learn how to be satisfied in him. While you wait for God to bring your other. How many of you know that we were, listen to me, some of us, we don't really understand it yet because we don't understand the full power of God. That God, listen to me, if you're looking at your spouse and thinking they're supposed to satisfy your every need, you have been mistaken. Marriages get off course because you look at your spouse like they're supposed to be God and they're not. God never intended that. You and I got to find our satisfaction in him. Because watch this. It's temporary. Up there, there will be none. Because you will be married to Christ. See, how many know that Christ purchased the church with his blood? (laughs) He called the relationship the new covenant. This cup, Luke 20, 22, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Mm. In other words, Christ obtained, listen to me, Christ obtained the church by his blood, listen, and formed a new covenant with her, watch this, an unbreakable marriage. I said unbreakable. How many know the Jesus will never leave his wife. Never. You can be a, listen to me, and some of you, you've been terrible. (laughs) 
We all have been. And you know you run to him, and he's always right there for you because he's established a new covenant. He said, listen, you are mine, and you ain't going nowhere. As bad as you've been, as troubled as you've been, as the mistakes that you have made, God has been there with you all the time. He said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you, never. Because you're mine. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. We are one. Guess what? The marriage, the earthly marriage is supposed to represent that picture. Some of you still looking like young kids. Listen. The ultimate purpose of marriage is to display God. To display him. This is, what, this is the mystery that Paul was talking about. That the world is supposed to see our marriage and they should see a type of our relationship with God. How many know that God is a covenant-keeping God? Ah, how many know that this is what makes Divorce so horrific in the eyes of God, listen to me, is not merely that it involves covenant breaking to the spouse, but it involves misrepresenting Christ and his covenant with us. It's a picture. Marriage was meant to be a picture. And so when we see that even people within the church, how many know the church people ought to know better? Let me, let, me, let me say this to you. If you're just hearing this for the first time, rejoice. Rejoice. If you're just realizing that your marriage just wasn't, just, wasn't just about you, but that God had a whole nother purpose in it, God wanted you to display to the world his intention, his covenant-keeping relationship with us so that everybody would know. And so when we are not, listen to me, when we are in and out and we act just like the world, how many know it's a terrible picture? This is why God says, I hate divorce. He don't hate you. He says, I hate divorce because it cuts away and everything that I plan for the marriage, the marriage is a witness. It's a witness. And if how many know that if we begin to process this and receive this, it changes the whole way that you look at your marriage now, right? Because I realize this is far beyond me. So you know what? I got the pony up. And as you as a Christian don't ever listen to me, I'm going to say this. Because I know I got, God got my back, and I say it in love. We, listen to me, irreconcilable differences ain't going to work with us. you got to work it out. If you love your God the way you say you love your Jesus, love your spouse. Sacrifice. He sacrificed for you. Demonstrate it. Because it was never meant for just you anyhow. A byproduct is beauty, a byproduct is roses, a byproduct is, is movies, dinner, companionship, all that's great. But there's a greater, higher purpose. This is what the enemy don't want us to see. And this is why there will be no marriage in heaven. It's over after this life. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
God, I thank you this morning that you unveiled to us through the Apostle Paul, even as through his writings, that our marriage is a representation of your covenant keeping with us. God, and I pray this morning that every couple that is struggling today, that every couple that is even on the brink of walking away, that God, that somehow, somehow, someway, God, that you would reaffirm in that heart that somehow, someway, God, that you would bring healing Somehow, some way, God, that you will work out what seems to be a hopeless situation. You're the God of all hope this morning. You're the God of all hope. And God, you revealed to us, Lord, in a very precise way. In a very precise way, God. That our marriage is deeper than what we see. There's a spiritual connotation, Lord, and I pray that the church will rise up, Lord, and that we would take responsibility. God, we need grace. We do need grace. But the world around us, God, is showing us images and pictures that contradicts your way of doing things. Father, in the name of Jesus, will you please help our families? If you're sitting here today, particularly as a couple, Maybe you've been struggling or whatever the case might be. I just want to, I want to offer um, an opportunity to pray to God, to give it to God. Every time we have an altar call, altar means to be changed, to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and give you help. If your marriage maybe is under attack, perhaps um, you're on the brink of divorce, perhaps you're at a place where you... Uh, just need help because your marriage is just the stress and the problems of this world have caused you to lose your focus. You've missed it. And you need God to help you right now. Is there anyone who will be bold enough before the Lord who really needs help in their marriage will come up here in faith? I'm not going to ask you what it's all about. I'm just going to pray with you. Believe God that he's going to supernaturally touch your situation. If you need help this morning, you need the help of the Holy Spirit, and you want God to come in a fresh way and, and help you, I want to open up the altar to you this morning. Just come. Is there anyone? They're a couple. is struggling and you just need help. God is here to help you today. He's the author of marriage. He's the one that can fix it. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Is there one or is there a couple that need prayer? I'm going to give you one more opportunity to come. This can only help. We can't go praying to God for help in your marriage. That's what church is all about. That's why we exist. That's why we're here. Don't let pride keep you in your seat. 
Don't let arrogance keep you in your seat. Come to him and give God a chance to do what God wants to do. Give him a chance this morning. Is it worth it? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord. Father, you know where every family is, Lord. God, you understand every struggle. So, Lord, I'm asking that you would just send your Holy Spirit and that you would help our families to be strong here in the life of our church. And God, those who will be looking to marriage in the future, maybe they have involved in a relationship that they know is not representative of you and that relationship has caused much pain has caused much confusion much hurt god i pray you would minister to that person protect your people lord god protect and watch over your people and god i ask you to strengthen our families strengthen our families god Strengthen marriages. Strengthen homes, God. And help us to live out, Lord, the purpose to which you intended marriage to be, which is ultimately to glorify you. That's the highest and the most supreme thing of marriage. If you're sitting here today, you've never given your life to Christ. I want you to, I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, none of this will really matter until you surrender your life to him. Today, he is coming to you to help you. He says he loves you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, he has drawn you. You're sitting here today and you say, Pastor, I've been living life on my own. I've been trying to figure it out on my own, but today I am ready to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm ready to give it to Christ. If that's you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity right before we take communion. I want to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus today. Is there one person who wants to follow Christ and make him Lord of your life? Just slip your hand up. I want to pray with you. He can either restore, he want to make your life right. He can fix the broken pieces. He's a marvelous God. He's a marvelous Savior. There is no other Savior but him like we sung this morning. There is no other God but our God. He says today that he is healed, here to heal the brokenhearted. Is there one? Is there one who would give their life to Jesus today? Hallelujah. At this point of the service, um, on every first Sunday, uh, we have our communion, which is what we're going to be doing today. So we want to prepare our hearts. This is a wonderful time to take communion, amen? Remind ourselves of Christ's covenant with us, his unbreakable covenant, his unbreakable marriage that he has with his church, the bride of Christ. This is a wonderful opportunity to celebrate and reaffirm our love and our commitment, not only to him, but to one another particularly to our marriages, which is a reflection of his glory. So before we take communion, 
we must understand that it is a sacred and a holy moment. We call to remembrance our Lord and our Savior who died who purchased us. He says, as often as you do this, remember me. Remember that I'm coming back. Remember that I died for you. Remember. I believe in a very fresh way that every time we take communion, we reconnect. Communion is only for those who believe in Christ. So if you're sitting here today and you're not a believer in Christ, then I ask that you will not take communion. We want to make sure that we do this in a way that we honor God. If you do know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want to welcome you to the table, but we want you to first to um, to search your heart. Is there anything that God convicts you about? Any sin? Anything that is a, the Holy Spirit is showing you that He wants you to address? We want to do that before we take communion. As it's said over in 1 Corinthians, that many of them took communion and they did not discern the Lord's body. This is how serious this is. And some of them died because they didn't understand. They took it for granted. So search your heart. I want to take this cup in a manner that is worthy of our Christ. So let's take a moment and examine our hearts together. Let's stand to our feet, everyone. Um, at the direction of the ushers, uh, he will, they will instruct you, uh, row by row, to come up and get the communion cup. And then when you get the cup, you go back to your seat, and then we'll wait, and we'll take communion together. Uh, you can follow the instructions of the ushers.
opportunity to be served. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, thank you for your body. Thank you for the covenant that you have established with us. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us, Lord. Even when we're not faithful, you are so faithful. Thank you, Lord God, that you spilled your blood so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. Father, as we take this cup this morning, I pray, God, that in a very fresh way that our love will be awakened afresh, that our love and our desire for you would grow deeper as we identify with you once and again as we take this bread and we eat it, Lord. We commit ourselves, Lord, to pursuing you for the rest of our life. Shall we eat together? In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes Father, we're looking forward to you coming back again for us, your bride, the church. God, I pray that your presence, Lord, would be very real in our lives. That every day, God, that you would remind us, Lord, that you're with us. Every day, Father God, that you would touch us with your presence and your power. I pray, Jesus that as we drink this cup this morning, that God, that we will reaffirm our commitment to you, our love to you, and to serve you all the days of our lives. We love you so much, and we praise you. Shall we drink together? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The ushers will be over to collect those from you. You pass them to your right. You pass them to your left, depending on where you are. Amen. 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 Amen, amen, amen. Come on, why don't you give Jesus another praise before we close the service today? My prayer today is that as you go,